I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Chinny. Ooh, chinny reckon. Chin, chin. Rub my chin. Ooh, chinny reckon. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. This is the voice of Steve Norman. You missed me last week on my holiday, but I'm back now to run the rule over this lot. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you. Did you yeah. miss me? Uh, yeah, because I had to host last week and you know how that always goes. So Yeah, it's harder yeah. than what it looks, isn't it? Yeah. And Paul Field. Evening, fellas. Evening. Great to have you back, Steve. And how was, how was the uh, caravanning? Uh, yeah, wonderful. Always nice pissing in a bucket. <laughs> mm, mm. Lovely. And how many of you were in the caravan? Was it six or seven? Just six and a four berth, so top and tail. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. No problem at all. Yeah. And it's good to speak to you, my friend, Paul. Friend. Yes. Yes, because we only met up the other day. We did. And you showed me around Oxford and all the wonderful, lovely, down-to-earth, common-as-you-like, lovely people down a Lambeth Walk. No, it was full of absolute twats. (laughs) And there was one more in the city that day, wasn't there, Paul? There was, mate. Yeah. Not James Yule, though. James Yule was lovely. He He was. was. He's done lots of music and remixy type stuff for us and he's such a nice guy and he got a really good show and he's yeah top top bloke yeah good good egg um this week we're uh, reviewing mother um aren't we owen which was which was interesting i uh, yeah i said i think i said in an email to you didn't i i kind of liked it even though i'm aware it's absolute highest grade sort of wanky pretentious tosh but i still yeah. quite, kind of kind of enjoyed it but we'll i, I thought that. Yeah, anyway. And I was finally seeing Dangerous Game, which uh, was crap. <laughs> and um, we've also got the Emmys to look at as well. Uh, but we are doing a quiz now where it's one all between me and Owen. When we get Paul on, uh, we get Paul to host the quiz for, for two reasons, Paul, isn't there? One, because you're good at doing a quiz, and two, because you're crap at answering questions. Both of those are absolutely correct, Steve. I'm yeah. useless at answering quiz questions. But I've, I've, um, it was a little bit of a short notice, but I have gone back to one of our old favourites, and uh, they're on Amazon Reviews. Oh, good. Yeah. It's not another round of Bonk or Bond, is it? No more Bonk or Bond. <laughs> um, but I have mixed up the reviews a little bit, the last question. So uh, you'll, you'll have to, to, to wait for that one. That'll be, uh, that'll be quite interesting. Um, um, have... The... have um... Uh, Challenge TV got in touch with us about uh, doing a, a, a real series of Bonk or Bond yet? I've not heard anything. Um, no, Bonk not, or no. Bond is one round. Bitch or Witch is the other. Yeah, not yep. from not from Bravo or Men and no, Motors nothing, or anything. No, no, not even no. Babe Station. No, 
No, because we could get people to ring in and charge them like two pounds a minute. It'd be a yeah, but I don't think they'd want, I don't think they'd want us three on Babe Station wiggling them phones around. Mm-hmm. You could charge twenty p a minute and no one's phoning up. Yeah, That's men, true. men and motors want it, but they want to get Hale or Pace from Hale and Pace to host it. Yeah, or Gary Bushell probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leslie Grantham. Leslie yeah. Grantham. This oh, is some real. These are some real topical references for the, the youth to listen to this <laughs> podcast isn't it that is our demographic as well you know we're really not hitting them tonight the youths no, no. mad um, on their podcasts the youths yeah down with it in a hood in enough respect in the area that's it totally yeah. fat totally fat podcast yeah drop yep. another fat one mm-hmm. mm. uh should we just do a quiz rather than embarrass ourselves and make it <laughs> yeah. sound like the dad cringe <laughs> yeah yep. right the I'm going to read out an Amazon review and then I'm going to give you three options. You, all you need to do is tell me which film is actually the review is from. Mm-hmm. So the first one is a one-star review from Mr. Kevin, uh, Gavin P. Harris, who says, uh, profane and obnoxious. There is a limit to the amount of times I can watch somebody blowing cocaine into another person's anus without being totally disgusted and repulsed. What I like about that is that it can maybe like one or two times the, the fact that there's a limit to the number <laughs> as it's more than once. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, is, is Gavin talking about the Wolf of Wall Street, Requiem for a Dream or Irreversible? Oh, and you can go first. Uh, I think that's Wolf of Wall Street. I seem to remember a, a scene of that nature. In it. Steve, what do you think? Yes, I think it's Wolf of Wall Street. Both correct. It is indeed Wolf of Wall Street. No, that was a nice, easy one to uh, warm you up. It's already going um, better than uh, Bond or Bonk. Both yeah. got a point after the first question. That hasn't happened go. for a while. No. Here's uh, another one-star review uh, by Captain Scribe. Uh, headlined, OK, here's the deal. What's he a captain of? It just says Captain Scribe. I don't know right. what he's a captain of. Yeah. No, that's not going to help yeah. you. Could have been good, but during the entire thing, my eyes hurt. I was not tired and the TV was the correct distance away from me, but my eyes continued to hurt. Hence this one star review. Edit. Turns out I had conjunctivitis. (laughs) Was he watching Close Encounters, Scanners or Sinister? Steve. I'm going to say... Is there a correct distance away from the television you should be well, watching? Does, I, yeah, it, there's an it, actual like there's an actual. But does it depend on the size of the thing. screen? Yeah, if you imagine the size of your screen, say you've got, yeah. a, I, I don't know what the actual calculation is, but say you've got a 47 inch screen, you should it's something like double the diameter and then minus 30 or 50 centimeters or something. That's the optimal range. I, yeah, but yeah. Can we just if we're gonna do. Maths, complicated maths. Remember what happened with the bar. Oh, right? yes. Let's just steer yes, away. Keep away from that. Keep away mm. from that. So, Steve, what what was hurting his eyes? Scanners. Okay. Owen. Uh, I mean, I reckon it's uh, Sinister. I think Sinister's the one where it's got weird, like, uh, home footage stuff it in there. It is Sinister, Owen. Well yes. done. Okay. Uh, this is a one-star review um, by Maggie. Would not recommend for someone wanting biblical information. Uh, and the review goes, this is horrible. Not at all how it is depicted in the Bible. Now, was Maggie um, looking for biblical information from The Hunger Games, Ben-Hur or Sister Act? Owen. Oh. No. It's... Oh, God. It can't, it can't be Ben-Hur. Uh... 
Hunger Games. Okay. Steve? See, now from, from the review, you'd think Ben-Hur is the most biblically looking one, although the other films might have some biblical allegory in them. Do you mm-hmm. like this, you know, when the, when the person hosting the quiz, show you're working, and the person answering the questions waffles on a bit. Um, I'm going to go Ben-Hur. They don't normally then stop to explain what they're doing, though. That's an added layer we're bringing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Steve, it was The Hunger Games. Oh, yes. Well done, Owen. You've got three in a row, Owen. I know. First what time part ever. of the Bible does she possibly think that was? <laughs> That's why they're on Amazon reviews as being batshit crazy. Like, um, does she think that, that like, Jesus, Noah, um, Herod, and uh, some others, like, all had, like, a yeah. big death match? Yeah. Joseph beget Jesus. Jesus beget Katniss. Katniss yeah. beget. <laughs> Peter. Peter. Beget. Beget. Begot. Not, no, not, not bread. <laughs> well, uh, that's maybe where the, the 40 lows came from, all the begetting in the Bible. Yeah. I think the most offensive things I've just said is that J- uh, Joseph begot Jesus. He didn't, did he? That's Someone probably... did. Some, and he yeah. wanted the man, he wanted the space man. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the theology crowd we have on the, listening into this pod will be loving this one. Such a broad yeah. spectrum. People we who do. want to measure the space in their living room for the setting the TVs, the youths, yeah. the this, uh, Bible this, bashers. All this, of them. this episode has had Gary Bushel and blasphemy, and we've only been going <laughs> for about 10 minutes. Okay, so next up, guys, uh, this is a two star review from Mr. Keith Carberry. Thought Channing and Jamie were holding hands on the cover, was expecting something a little bit more sensual. Was he reviewing White House Down, Magic Mike, or Sleepless? And Steve? I'm going to say White House Down. Okay. Uh, You know, Magic Mike wasn't that sensuous. It was probably the opposite of it, despite all the strippers. Let's go with that. Let's go Magic Mike. Okay. Well, it was indeed White House Down, because if you remember the cover, and I've had a look, it does actually look like... (laughs) Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx are holding hands. <laughs> okay. So we've got three points for Owen, two for Steve. It's tight. Mm. You have to bear with me on this one. It's, just, it's a little bit long. Um, this is a verified uh, purchase uh, by someone called Bleak. Wow. Is Sandra Bullock a piece of work? So strong. Very man-like in this movie. Recently, I came across a little tidbit of information and I thought to myself... Really? Could this be true? You see, something has always bothered me about Sandra Bullock, and I haven't realised what it was until now. Not that I spent much time on it, but I just thought she was different somehow, but couldn't put my finger on why. Now it all makes sense. Sandra Bullock is a transvestite. I'm not joking. Capitals, look for yourself. The arms, the legs, the whole body. Look for the Adam's apple. Look for a video called Sandra Bullock Tranny and much else available with a search. Was he reviewing <laughs> Gravity, Miss Congeniality, or Tomb Raider? Was she oh, in Tomb Raider? I mean, uh, hmm, uh, Miss Congeniality. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I'd also like to answer with Miss Congeniality. It is Miss Congeniality. I thought I'd try and yeah. give you a curveball with Tomb Raider, because sometimes these people write these reviews about people and they're not actually even in the film. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. But I went with Miss Congeniality because she's supposed to look kind of frumpy and 
you know, and then changes her appearance. So, yeah. Well, anyway, what, what a knobhead that person is. Yes. Okay, well, we're on to the last question. And there are three points available. What I have here is I've looked up cinemas near to me, near to you, Steve, and near to you, Owen, and found the worst review possible. And you need to work out if you can work out whether it's Oxford, Hastings, or um, actually, Steve, your one didn't have any really bad reviews, so I've actually gone for the one in Weymouth. (laughs) 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 That was the nearest shit cinema. Weymouth is shit, old. There you go. Right, so I'm going to give you the three, and you, and uh, and then you you've got to work out which town they're from. So so it's to save you reading these out twice. I'm going to quickly go through them. The first one is five pounds a ticket is a bargain. However, leaving the lights on during the film was irritating. Not having any staff to remove disruptive children standing on chairs, running the length of the cinema room, and screaming ruined the experience. On top of that, the snack selection was abysmal. Two hot dogs. One large, one standard, neither cooked or ready to be sold to anyone. Not somewhere I'll be visiting again. Do not recommend. Unless you're content with a malnourished, uncontrolled child environment. (laughs) All right, that's the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one, I've managed to avoid going to the cinema for the past 15 years, choosing to go to the much more expensive one. Back then, it was smelly and neglected. I'd assumed after so much time, it would have had a proper gutting. No, it still smells hideous. The seats were all worn and filthy and made watching the film unbearable. The highlight of the whole trip were the strangely immaculate gents lose. If you're wanting a decent cinema experience not to contract syphilis, go to the other one instead. Mm. And lastly... Saw several movies here over the last few months, and every time it's been terrible. Drunk people shouting because they serve alcohol, letting people in 20 minutes after the movie starts, no sign of any staff, people stealing from the reception area. The cinema has recently had new seating installed. The old seats you could put your legs under. This one you can't. We complained you got free tickets as an apology, but even that showing we went to was really disrupted. We won't be going back. So, we've Mm. got malnourished kids... Syphilis and thieves in the foyer. So, Owen, where mm. do you think the malnourished kids are? Are they in Weymouth, Oxford, or Hastings? So I don't know Weymouth at all. Uh, I don't know what it's like other than Steve just saying it's a shit all. It was in Dunkirk. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Where, where they where they launched. That was slightly the boat. different where... though. I imagine that it's yeah. it's changed a bit since that. I, I don't know. <laughs> There's less. There's probably more war there now. Mm. Um, See, the, the second, the second one about the strangely immaculate lose and or, or you know choosing to go to the expensive one makes mm. it sound like it should be Oxford. But then you talked about. I mean, I think the last one you mentioned is the ultimate picture palace in Oxford. So I'm going to say. I'm going to say the third one is Oxford. Hang on, the third one is you think it's Oxford? Okay, yep. I think the. First one with the malnourished kids. <laughs> no offence, Paul, but I think that's Bexhill. And, right. <laughs> and then I'm going to go the second one is Weymouth. Okay. Steve. I'm going malnourished kids is Oxford. So I don't think anyone from Weymouth would know the word malnourished. <laughs> right. I think the second one is Hastings. Um, so Hastings is a syphilis. Okay. And as far as I'm aware... From what I remember rightly with your reviews, the, the first two were 
comparing in part uh, against other local cinemas. The third one you did didn't. Now, as far as I'm aware, Weymouth only has one cinema, uh, a Cineworld, ah. right in the middle. So I think the last one you did was Weymouth. Okay, well, you both got them all completely wrong. <laughs> the, the, the malnourished kids were from Weymouth. Well, I, pe- see, now, see now, I didn't think the people from Weymouth would know the word malnourished, but then I can see why there would be malnourished kids there. The uh, people from Oxford are worried about getting syphilis. Yeah. No, it was my uh, first time. I should have stuck with that. Yep, and in Hastings, there are people thieving things in the foyer. I really <laughs> don't understand that at all. Wow. But the upshot of it is, Owen, yeah. four points, Steve, Three points. Oh, yes. Get in. Oh, close, though. It was close. So does that mean I've won the quiz? You've won the quiz. But, I mean, is that me three three one up? No, it's two one. No, hang on, hang on. The last, I did the quiz two weeks ago where Uh it was already one up. So I must be on three one then. You are three one, yeah. Oh, there you go. Ah, Steve. (laughs) Stevie, 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 Steve. I'm going to find a film for you. We're going to have one on this podcast. Oh, yes. Um, should we move on to the news? Yes, why not? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do some news. Um, the main <laughs> news was that we had the Emmys, and the Handmaid's Tale uh, cleaned up. It's mm. good. Did you have you both seen it? No, uh, I watched first couple, and I just couldn't get into it. I wasn't feeling it very, very much, to be honest. Um, very, of, it's the kind of source, source material mm. I'd like: um, dystopian future and oppressed women, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> your favourite topics. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just didn't get around to watching it, so no, I haven't seen any of it. I, I watched the first uh, whole of the first season, and it was it was really good. It was it, it it was slow, but it was it was worth just about sticking with. And by the end, I actually really enjoyed it. I'm really curious to see where they take it next. Mm, it's based on a novel, isn't it? Or a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a dystopian novel that was written in 1985, which I think meant that a lot more people read it than. If it had been released in like 1989 or something, it had a bit closer to 1984 about it. Um, mm. So it was really popular. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it's been adapted a few times in the past as well. This is the first time an adaptation of it has really taken off like Hulu's um, series has. Yeah, I think the BBC did this as well. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure they did because I remember there was some lady action. Some lady action. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> some some ironing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get me on men and motors. I'm right for a show on there. Mm-hmm. Is that still? That's not still going. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, no. What a weird channel that was. Yeah, I, yeah. Can I just say that the 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 one I was most pleased at seeing was the was the writing um, for Master of None which I think is fantastic. And that the, the season just gone, I think it's the second season, where he's in Italy is just an absolute joy to watch. It's absolutely fantastic. So, so funny. You know what? I've only seen bits of it. Um, oh, it's so good. It's worth staying with it just for, yeah. just to get him to that second season. And, of course, in this, uh, Veep always yeah. wins awards and absolutely rightly so because it is so, so good. So good. Possibly you... the funniest thing on on kind of coming out of you, on US TV. I was going to say so better than the thick of it. Um, I much like with the Office and the UK Office and the American one. Over here, we do you know we do a, 
like a couple of seasons or whatever and bin stuff off because it's too mm-hmm. much like hard work. In the States, they keep it going and they keep the quality high and they keep delivering. And, and I, yeah, I, I think it probably is. Wow. Oh, it's still, I mean, it's still Amando Iannucci and um, I'll take your word on that because, again, it was one of those, like, I cancelled Sky when it had just started, so I kind of missed it. Missed right. the boat on Veep. But I did like what I saw. Watched the like, first two. But yeah, I mean, the other, the other one I, I kind of noticed um, was Charlie Brooker picking up an award at the Emmys which is a strange sight. But uh, yeah, for, for an, ep- an episode of Black Mirror. Have you, do you guys watch Black Mirror? Yes. Yes. Not so, for a while, no. Not since it's gone to Netflix. Yeah, so Th- that's right. You, went, you have Netflix though, Steve, don't you? Yeah. And you haven't not, watched Black Mirror on there? I never really got the hype. But I just thought it was all a bit up itself. Oh, uh, no, it's really good. There are a couple of good episodes, but I just thought, try hard, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I felt that way about more episodes in the Netflix series than I ever did about any of them when it was, um, was it Channel 4 that it used to be on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was on Channel 4. Um, but uh, the, the the episode that, that's won is the San Junipero episode, uh, which was genuinely just like one of the best episodes they've done. So I'm more than happy to see Charlie Brooker stride up to... Uh, to collect his Emmy with a weird sort of gurning, puzzled face um, that he pulled. I think it, it's fully deserved. So, yeah, beat Fargo, which, again, I've not really got into this series of Fargo. Well, I think one thing this Emmys has shown us and TV awards are continuously showing us is, is now how well the likes of Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu are doing with original content. And it's not just traditional television yeah it's not yeah. either fox or hbo every time you know yeah it's not it's not like just tra- as well traditional television yeah the net the yeah. networks have been they've had the floor wiped with them because hbo and uh and netflix have got have got you know the hbo got 46 noms mm. fx netflix 27 and then yet then you're all the way down nbc abc 17 and 11 so yeah things are changing even Thanks. amazon picking up noms yeah even Amazon. Even yeah. Amazon. Some yeah. of their original content is pony, so... Yeah, I mean, they just meant to deliver stuff, aren't they? But no, they, uh, they make television as well. Yeah, I noticed Preacher didn't get anything. Wasn't put forward for anything. It was shit, that's why. I know, I, yeah. After that first season of just grinding through it, I thought, I'm not, I'm not doing this again, because just it's so pointless. That's exactly how, how we felt as well. We grinded that one out. We had to get... Well, it forced ourselves all the way to the end. And I love the source material. The uh, The original comic is just amazing. But, the yeah, the series was hard work. Hard, hard work. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, anything else that stood out? I noticed uh, Riz Ahmed won um, for The Night Of in Outstanding Lead Actor, uh, which I haven't seen The Night Of. Again, because it's HBO and I don't have Sky... Um, but he beat some heavyweights to, to that title. Benedict Cumberpatch, Robert De Niro, Ewan McGregor, Jeffrey Rutch and John DeTuro. He beat all of them to pick up that award. Have, have you guys seen The Night Of? Yeah, no, well, I've, I've seen I've half seen, of it. I've seen, I've seen Riz Ahmed in a few things now and he is, he is very good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but I just think that's quite uh, remarkable, especially when you look over at the other category for like outstanding lead actress and see, well, Nicole Kidman won. Um, which seems like the biggest name in the the list, along like with Reese with the spoons in that and Susan Sarandon, and it was still Nicole Kidman. So, yeah. 
time for what we've been watching um, when we take a look at some of the films we've seen this week. Um, I have finally seen Dangerous Game. Do we want me to do that now or do we want me to save it to the end of this segment? Oh, do it now. Go on. Do it now. Right, so Dangerous Game was a film that I had to watch um, for losing the quiz. Um, and then we were going to save it for a football special that didn't quite happen. But I've now watched it. Um, Dangerous Game stars Callum Best um, pissing on his dad's legacy, although his dad done that himself a fair bit, but Callum's just doing it even more now. Uh, Alex Reed, Lucy Pinder, some other just shit shows of acting. <laughs> shit shows. Yeah, and it basically <laughs> tells a story of a Premier League footballer uh, whose mate gets in trouble with the Russian mafia, um, so his mate has to fix a game of football uh, to um, to help his, his mate out. And it just... It's like nobody in this, who's made this film has ev- ever seen a game of football or knows anything about the football industry, despite the fact that the son of one of the greatest footballers of all time is in the fucking film. Mm. It's really bad, isn't it, Steve? Def- it defies logic. It's not even so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's a waste of everybody's time. I mean, isn't it something like they think like a Premier League footballer earns about £13,000 a week? It wasn't even that much. It's like five grand a week. It's just ridiculous. The, the fact is... His mate owes the Russian mafia some money. It's just like, well, you're a Premier League footballer. Bung us the money or else I'm going to get killed. And mm. he says, oh, I've got 50 grand in savings. <laughs> and the, and the, the quickest way to earn money, of course, is to rob shoe shops. Yes. That's what yeah. you do it. Steve, I've got to ask you, right? When they're robbing the shoe shop, did you notice... On this, they actually steal the trainers on display, so they only nick <laughs> the right shoe. <laughs> <laughs> is uh. and the, my favourite bit though is Darren Day with the blue with the vodka bottles, which yeah. you must. They keep appearing those bottles, but there's the bit where he's he's threatening him and doing an advert for the vodka at the same time. It's absolutely genius. Do the people in it look like they don't want to be there? No, they look like they need the work. Oh, really? They're all putting a shift in. They're not all like, what has my life come to that I'm starring in Dangerous Game? No, because this is the best thing that Callum Best's ever done because all the other stuff he does is celebrity big fucking brother. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Steve. I've seen... You sent me a picture of your new changing rooms. Do you remember? Yeah. Which look amazing, right? At grassroots. Yeah. In, the, in, in that film... The training uh, ground they used. Did you notice the training, the, the changing rooms? Yeah, they look like something out of a scout hut with a, a wonky <laughs> nail to the wall and bare benches, and that was it. It was just. I so... mean, surely they could have got that <laughs> knobhead at Billericay Town to lend them the changing room for the day. Anything. It, it was yeah. so poorly researched. Nothing about it. Nothing around the football made any sense to anyone who watches football. There was, more realistic, there was more realistic football in a, a more realistic Russian gangsters in fucking Sky One's dream team. Mm. Oh, by miles. <laughs> Footballers' wise is more realistic than this. Yep. Yeah, it's... Well, as as you know, I did, I reviewed it for The Independent and... The, the the was, well, literally, I mean, if you just Google Dangerous Game, your independent review is the third return. Yeah, IMDb, it, it, Guardian, and then Paul Field with 
The Independent. <laughs> yeah. It is the worst football film ever made, isn't it? Surely. Yeah. I mean, there's some bad football films. Goal three for a start. Mm. This is better than goal three. Um, this is better than. No, this is not better than. This is worse than goal. Sorry, this, this is, is true. The... Yes, well, this is worse than goal three. This is worse than uh, any of the Green Street films. Yeah, this is worse, worse than United than... Passions. Oh, steady. It's <laughs> because at least United, although it was terrible, it, there was some competence behind the filmmaking itself. Yes, I suppose they at least researched what football is actually like. Yeah, this had no redeeming features at all. Can I just say that the the same people, exactly the same cast of filmmakers, have already got their next film out? Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but it looks terrible. Well, it looks, if you read the synopsis and look at the cover, like a gangster film. And we were going to watch it. And just before we hit rent, I thought, I'll just check the trailer. And it's a poor Twilight clone. Oh, you were telling me about this. It makes no sense. Again. <laughs> Lucy, Lucy Pinder's in this, and um, I was relieved because God knows where she's been for the last 10 years. Since Nuts magazine folded, God knows what she's been up to. Did you did you like the bit where they photoshopped the Eiffel Tower into the back of a London park? <laughs> <laughs> what? And the sex scene. Oh, my God. The sex scene is so bad. Yeah. Still, still, Paul, wasn't as tragic as Palace, was it? No. No. No, 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 which is featured in the film, no less. <laughs> that's where all the footballs film. That's where they, whenever they use a stadium, it is Sellers Park, yeah. which is about all it's good for at the moment. Yeah, uh, not a lot of good football happening down there at the moment, is there? No. Thanks for the three points on Saturday. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Now fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is dangerous game. If you ever get the chance to watch it, don't. If you ever meet the filmmakers, <laughs> tell them they're idiots who don't even belong in the industry. Although it's probably better than Essex Space Bin. mm, Yeah, okay. Yeah, but like I I really didn't like Essex Space Bin because it was purposefully designed to be bad. It was meant to elicit the action. They desperately think this is a good film. Yeah, they're trying, which makes it even more hilarious that it's so fucking Mm. awful by all accounts. Owen, what have you seen? You have to bear with me because all of my notes for this disappeared. Chinny reckon. <laughs> Ch- Chinny reckon. <laughs> I'm God. just keeping it topical yeah. tonight for the kids, you know. <laughs> chinny reckon. Right. Okay, I'm writing that. I'm writing Chinny reckon down because we have an episode title. Chinny reckon. Yes, done. Okay. Uh, yeah, I watched a film called The Song of Sway Lake which uh, was directed by, uh, as it calls itself on the all the press material we had that came with it, uh, Stong of Sway Lake, directed by student Oscar winner Ari Gold. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment. It also stars Rory Culkin, uh, a.k.a. Uh, the younger brother of the star of Home Alone, the other Culkin. Um, and it also stars Robert Sheehan, who, uh, I'll be honest, that was the person who I saw in the credits and I thought, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to I'm gonna actually give this a go. Because Robert Sheehan, I don't know if you guys remember him, but he was in the first couple of seasons of Misfits, the Channel 4 show, which I thought was right. really good. He's the Irish guy in it. Okay. Yeah, see, like, and he's he was great in that. 
He's very yeah, funny. Yeah, I like Misfits. I like Misfits. Yeah, I know that Irish guy. You mean, isn't he in Preacher? Ah, uh, no. So, no, that's quite interesting because you're thinking of... Um, fuck, what's his name? The vampire in uh, Preacher. Yeah. He was in Misfits, but he's English. Ah. And he puts on an Irish accent for Cassidy. That was his name. He puts on an Irish accent for Preacher. Got you. Not Irish. But before him in Misfits, the character he basically replaced in Misfits, that was Robert Sheehan, the guy who had like immortality as his power. He, gotcha. Yeah. He won a BAFTA for his role as well um, in Misfits. And it was absolutely 100% fully deserved because he was fucking brilliant in it. Um, so when I saw him in this, uh, in the Song of Sway Lake, I thought, okay, I'll give this a go. I'll give it a, an opportunity. And Robert Sheehan is in it as Nikolai. He's playing a Russian. Uh, who is Rory Culkins, uh, whose character is Ollie Sway. They're mates in this. And they go back to uh, Ollie's uh, family home after his dad has committed suicide uh, in the lake, in this sort of lake that his very rich family own. And it's all about him trying to just figure out his life what's led his father to do what he did or he doesn't really seem to be of the opinion that he cares why his his dad did what he did he's a bit uh more into his jazz music and it's through his connection to jazz music which then uh is how he relates to the rest of the world and now see when i said earlier that it's uh by student oscar winner ari gold this is very much like a film made very obviously by a student of film. Uh, it follows all the kind of techniques that you'd expect from a good, quote-unquote, movie uh, because it's cyclical. It starts with a picture. It ends with the same picture. The characters go on a journey. They learn stuff. Uh, it's very well paced. Uh, shot very well. I mean, I, I don't know what the actual budget is, but I imagine it was very low and it looked a lot better um, than that. Um, the most other films of, like, it's ilk, the kind that we get passed around. I, it, I mean, I can't really fault it. All I can say is that it just seemed just surface level shallow. And I mean, like, the characters in it were just too fucking student film. And they're... It it was too good if you if you know what I mean by that. It was too much like it was made to a blueprint that's designed to be good, to get good marks, to get good reviews. Uh, and I just felt it was all a bit lifeless. It was soulless even. And I wasn't I wasn't into it. it it's also described as a lush romantic drama. God, I didn't see the, the romance in it was so forced, so weak, so pointless. Um, that Mary Beth Peel, Peel, I don't know really how to say it, pronounce the surname, Mary Beth P-E-I-L, uh, who is a Tony-nominated uh, actress from, from Broadway. She was in this. She actually was really, again, she was really good. And I'm going to keep using the word good, not as a... Uh, in a pejorative sense, but just like that's what it, it was good, and she was good. The performance was good. The character was good. It just kind of didn't excel beyond that, and 
I don't. I, I wish I was a better critic so I could pull it apart and just say this is why it doesn't connect on an emotional level. This was why that aspect was was lacking from what is otherwise just quite well made and yeah. But I'm 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 not that good, and so all I can say is yeah. It didn't didn't do much for me. It really didn't do much for me. I've got to try and put this into words later for um, a written review. And I'm really just dreading it because I have no fucking idea how I'm going to talk about this. It's, it is what it is. It's just, a, it's a bit sort of pretentious, wanky kind of stuff. Oh, I know what I did mean to, see, this is why I needed those fucking notes. John Grant does a song in this. And as soon as I saw John Grant's name was in, in the credits, that was only afterwards. Then my interest was like, okay, I'm going to look up this a bit more. He has a cameo. I missed the cameo of singer-songwriter John Grant. Uh, I went back and listened to the song that he wrote, which is in this very kind of 30s, 40s jazz style. And I mean, the same track too is key. That's like one of the, the, it's almost like a character, right? So everything that happens in this film is to do with this song of Sway Lake, as the title would suggest. So a lot of emphasis has been put into that. I'd say it's a bit like, um, a bit like uh, Whiplash or La La Land Light. That's what it's going for. Well, it's not going for light. That's it's got, it is aiming to be a whiplash or a, a song of Sway Lake, and it just didn't didn't do it. I think it because as well the choice of tunes was just so so pretentious. Um, so yeah, that's not much of a review, but that's all I've got, I'm afraid. And Song of Sway Lake is uh, it's not out for a while. Look it up if you if you think you might be interested. I wouldn't push it too much. I'm not going to push it too much even. Okay. Um, Paul, finally for this part, what is it you've seen? I watched uh, an Australian uh, film called The Killing Ground, um, which is one of these ones that's been trickled out since 2016. I think it finally lands here in the cinema. I believe it's next week. Um, It kind of follows in the line of sort of Wolf Creek, Hounds of Love in the really nasty, cruel, vicious, um, outback type horrors. And, um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, it's, uh, it centers around a, a couple who go on a, a camping trip out to a waterfall in the, in the middle of, you know, in the outback in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they get there and they see there's already some people there. Um, there's a, well, there's a tent there and, um, yeah, parallel to their story, you kind of get to see a flashback to the other family arriving in the tent that they see. And it, this goes, it probably takes a good 50 minutes to actually, for everything to start going wrong and for you to realise exactly what's happened. Um, it is really, really nasty, this film. Um, it's I kind of think if it's a, if you took the sort of, it could happen um, horror, it's not stupid or daft or, blood spraying everywhere it's very matter of fact it's very brutal and this could happen to you that's that's how this kind of keeps you on edge it's a bit like eden lake but it also brings in some of the concept of um do you remember force majeure Mm -hmm. yep yeah it deals with some of the themes from that and a kind of an eden lake nastiness um the two the two villains of of the piece are fucking horrible just awful and the way they go about stuff so matter-of-factly 
and they don't you don't see an awful lot but you know what they've done and you can see the aftermath for the most part but it is still brutal i mean there is still a lot of horrific things on on screen in one particular um bit involving a, a very young child is like holy fuck you know <laughs> this is this is not don't worry don't nonce him but it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty fucking horrendous so if you're a big fan of australian outback if you like you know hounds of love if you like wolf creek if you like eden lake it's got all of those things going on but there's a little bit more to it you know the, the couple who are terrorized are, are very sweet and you they do just enough to make you care about them and the other family involved and the parallel kind of timelines and stuff. So you can see what happened and they keep diving in and out of each one. Yeah. It, it does establish a really good mystery, but with this overarching sense of dread, because you know, something terrible is going to happen. And um, when it does brilliant. Yeah. And it avoids a lot of obvious things. It does stuff that, they don't normally do and things happen people turn up and you think oh but that it, yeah it'll it'll kind of it'll get you at every turn so yeah highly recommended a couple of new releases for us to have a look at now uh, paul you have seen a film called the villainess yes a batshit crazy korean revenge movie um, which are always a pleasure to see um the villainess i been kind of not looking out for, but the director, I think I pronounce it, I'm going to murder all the names, Byung Gil Jung. Um, now she did a film ages ago called Confession of Murder, which I saw, and I really, really like that. It's about this like um, statute of limitations and this murderer suddenly confessing to all this stuff that, that he did, but they can't do anything to him because time has passed. So I was kind of curious to see what happened next, but that was 2012, so it's taken five years. And this is a very, very different film. This is full-on, batshit crazy um, action. I, I, I need to check and tell you now, Owen, mm-hmm. you are not going to like the camera work. It's spinning around all over the place. You've got this right. crazy fisheye lens going nuts. It is quite hard work at times. However, it is a two-hour-long Korean film, and you can't keep that up, so... You also um, have uh, melodrama, satire, the, the terrible music. Um, but rolling back, it stars uh, Ok Bin Kim, who is a uh, assassin, basically. I mean, the, the, the story's all over the place. Um, effectively, the film opens to this insanely long fight scene with axes and, and knives and you can't see who's doing it until you she hits this mirror and the camera pans back and it gives you a slightly different angle i have to say it's really really clever mm. if you it's really difficult it's, you need to go into this as just watching two hours pretty much of insane stunts and i'm talking about properly insane and they look so good however the rom-com stuff and all the, the kind of dealing with a sensitive, devoted love interest will drive you to distraction. I can't lie. Um, it, 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 with all these Korean films, the plot tends to be very convoluted. Mm-hmm. They they can't just do a nice tight <laughs> 90 minutes. They just can't. They cannot no. help themselves. How, how long is this one? Though? This is a, two hours. It is two hours. Yeah. But it's a 90-minute film. But they've 
there's no way they could have afforded to do all the insane stuff. In, do you see what I mean? They've mm-hmm. literally padded it out. It's such a shame. If they'd done this as a 90-minute film, this could have got some really decent traction and actually probably maybe up there with the, with the raid in, in terms of appeal and, and reach. I don't think it's going to do that kind of business, but it could be... It might do. It might do. It's, it's could, this could catch on. I think word of mouth for this one's going to be good. And the fact that Unlike other Korean revenge film, it's the you know the main protagonist is a woman. Um, she's really good. All the convoluted love interest stuff they will drive people slightly do lally. So mm. yeah, if if you're a fan of Korean cinema, it's not top top level. It's not sort of Bong Joon Ho style stuff, but it's pretty close. And if you enjoyed the raid, then I would say you'll definitely like this. And can I just point out the blood and the gore <laughs> is proper full on i mean it's absolutely fucking insane so yeah no so if, if it's on at a cinema in you i highly recommend you go and see the villainess uh it isn't on a cinema a cinema cinema near me uh, uh also i only know um this partly because it was at fright fest did really well at fright fest um but also kim ok bin who's the main character in it mm. she was in thirst wasn't she she was in park yes. Chan-wook's thirst she was the uh opposite of sang song kanko when they're bonking all over the room that's her yeah that's, that's other than that though a lot of her stuff she does a lot of um k-drama right and uh, have you ever i mean I, I think we've touched upon this before have you ever tried watching any of those series I, I, every time like they because Netflix keep making them as well no don't yeah. they so like I watch a trailer and I'm like oh my god just f- fuck off <laughs> completely it's just the the melodrama yeah. in those is insane they're all really long they're all like an hour and ten minute episodes as well so there must be 90 minutes with ads in, over wow. there um, a lot, all the ones I've seen even the really good ones like with spies and, and suddenly it will cut mm. have the most god awful melodramatic melodramatic music and then sort of looking into into each other's eyes and it will go on for like three or four minutes you're just <laughs> sitting there chewing your fist wait please mm. stop but it's just the Koreanness. this happens with all their films I will say about this the only saving grace the only thing that does give this a massive difference there are no keystone cops right because normally in these films, there's always the stupid, the, you know, the police are absolutely yeah. cack and mm-hmm. can't catch anyone. That is gone. And, and it, that's actually a welcome relief. Yeah, sometimes those bumbling sort of sidekicks they have as well and they're just a bit irritating as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I really, do you know what? I really, really want to hear about um, Mother. Do you? Because mm. <laughs> yeah. I've been umming and ahhing because I've heard it's dog shit. So, Mother is the latest... Uh, Aronofsky film starring Jennifer Lawrence and I mean, can you explain to people what it's about? Because I can't. Can I explain? It's about um, I mean it has a narrative of sorts which is two people two people? Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem are in a relationship. There you go. That's your plot. Stuff keeps happening yeah, yeah. in like their the heads. Char- the, the characters they play, not the, them two themselves. 
No. Although Darren no. Aronofsky, who's the writer-director, is in a relationship with Jennifer Lawrence, the star. Um, Hasn't he done well? Hasn't <laughs> he done well? <laughs> yeah. This but, film. No, okay, look. Yeah, so the film is about uh, creation. It's about life. It's about death. It's about origin. It's about love. Um, it's also Darren Aronofsky being let loose with a pen and a notepad and just non-stop scrawling because it is just... it. I People walked out on this uh, and booed it when it was shown at Cannes, uh, which is unusual for an Aronofsky film because he's kind of a critic starling, right? Ever since Requiem for a Dream and Pi and, and stuff like that, he has been just constantly touted as one of the most creative, the most inventive, the most original filmmakers around. And he makes what I think is one of the most original movies you're likely to see with um, two Oscar winners uh, as the stars, or two-time Oscar winners starring. This is not Oscar bait. What it is, is an arthouse film dressed up with very expensive, uh, high-end actors and style and just all that fancy stuff and it's it's kind of hard to talk about not because you don't want to you don't want to spoil anything but just because there's just so much in it that is so unconventional it's very difficult to describe it's very difficult to i find it very difficult to even assess whether i liked it or not i feel like i liked it but at the same time, I thought it was massively up itself. And I thought it was a steaming pile of pretentiousness yeah. made by somebody who thinks he's clever and everybody else. And if anybody is coming out of it saying they downright love the film, then they're just either too smug for their own good or saying it to try and impress someone. I mean, I don't necessarily... I mean, I, like I said, I did like it, but I think I liked it because it was different. I think because... I mean, I'm not having a go at other films. I'm not saying that you can't have... I mean, we've mentioned this every single time. Like, a new Statham film comes out, as long as it's not Fast and Furious, and I'm all over it. I'm saying, you know, I'm going, I'll go and watch Statham movie. I'll go and watch the new Sylvester Stallone films. I'll wait until Arnold Schwarzenegger's put his new thing out, even though he's nearly 60 and, and all that. But at the same time, I do like to see original movies. Something that's not adapted from a book everyone's read. So, although, you know, you could argue this is kind of is a very strongly influenced uh, screenplay by um, the Bible uh, or all religions, I suppose. Um, but uh, but it's not, you know, it's not direct. It's not a comic book adaptation. It's not a, um, a novel that's been adapted for the screen. It's it's an original screenplay. An original works entirely, and it's it's. Can, can, can I say that it's good because of that? Because then I'm implying that the film is overall objectively good, when I'm not sure yeah. if it always is. I think there's stuff in it, like you can see, like towards the end, right? Towards the end, that's when everything ramps up. So the whole of the film takes place within Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem's home and it's so slow to start with as ed harris turns up as a stranger 
and uh, turns out he's a fan of Javier Bardem's poetry or writings. And then Ed Harris's uh, wife shows up unexpectedly, uh, which is play- who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer. And she's kind of a bit of, like, you get the impression she's a bit of an alcoholic, a um, bit rude, a bit abrasive. Um, talks about why, uh, why on earth Jennifer Lawrence hasn't had babies yet. Maybe it's because Javier Bardem's not really into her. Maybe that's the problem. There's the age difference and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that part of the film takes so long. And then the last bit, which is where just absolute carnage and mayhem all takes place in the house. And you, you know, you kind of click then at that, at that point, if you don't know what this film is about, then there is no way you will like anything about it. Uh, And that's not to be snobby, but that's literally like, the, the film itself just mimics creation. And the, the kind of point, I guess, is that we are heading to oblivion quickly, rapidly. And everything starts very slow. Universe started with the Big Bang, but then it took you know, billions of years to form planets, to form uh, ecosystems, for life to exist. And then life is just like a blip at the end. And that's kind of what it's saying. But Steve is making noises like, he just thinks that's the most wanky thing he's ever heard. <laughs> and I it just, kind of is. It kind of is. I mean, I'm not denying I just, it. I just, I just did not get on with this film at all. I just thought it was pompous and up itself for the sake of being that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just... I. Yeah. I think he was just trying to be a smart ass and try and Oh yeah. Oh, look how look how clever I am. Look at all this film I've made. No one else gets it but me. <laughs> how was um Jennifer Lawrence? Cuz I, I Weird. everyone raves about her, but do you know what? Out, if you exclude the kids films, she's only if she hasn't done anything decent since Winter's Bone in 2010. The rest of them are pretty rubbish. All those Hunger Games films are rubbish. American Hustle was, despite what anyone says, was it was a crap story. Um, Joy, that was rubbish. We slated that on this podcast, if I remember. Passengers, that was pretty rubbish. And then Mother, yeah. how she got to this status? And she's done some X-Men films, hasn't she? She's um... X-Men and yeah, Hunger Games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really? Uh, outside of the, her kids' films, I think her, her output's been ropey, to say the least. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I mean, you mentioned Winter's Bone. I think she gets a pass on a lot of things for Winter's Bone. That was seven years ago. But that was seven years ago. I mean, she. I mean, she's still very. Uh, she was born in the nineties, Paul. So she's still fairly young, right? That still counts as young, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you know, she's still not really that far into her career. So there's still plenty of time for her to make better films, and I think she she's shown enough to say. Look, I I am a good actress. I can. I mean, I liked her in American Hustle. I thought she was good in American Hustle. The film itself was kind of okay and a bit average, but she was one of the better things in that. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, no, she was... Um, so the way the whole film is shot is the, the camera work in it is like... Funny you mentioned the villainess because the camera work in this is also, uh, again, unconventional. It's lots of shots right in her face and not just like from a sort of profile angle or sort of sweeping, like right in front of her face and really close up. So all you get is like her eyes and nose and her mouth kind of thing. 
And then as she walks around, the camera's following her. It feels really invasive. Like you're right in someone's personal space. Um, and I think, again, that was done intentionally. And it kind of, as the whole thing progresses, as the film progresses, that widens out. You know, it gets wider and wider and wider as the screen is filled with more people. So um, in, terms of in terms of what she was doing, uh, she was working that camera very well. But it was a very strange performance, I thought. Did you feel the same mm. way? Like, it was kind of like... I thought just they were all strange. Odd. Just so um, odd. I think they were doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I liked Michelle Pfeiffer, though. I thought she was swaggering around like a drunk aunt. Oh, yeah, or, you there's, know, there's, yeah. a, there's another topical reference to bring back in with Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's she been up to for, like, 20 years? Now she's yeah. doing this weird shit. Scarface, Batman Returns, and then this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say, was it film score, whatever? You gave it and it got the lowest score possible, an F? Mm. Uh, it's going to be a film that you're either going to give like five stars to or zero. It's not an in-between film. There's not a, yeah, that was all right. It's a you take all from or nothing from kind of movie. Uh, and uh, from the reaction, most of those, uh, the majority of those reactions appear to be in the lower bracket. And not very many in yeah. the higher bracket. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's almost all for this week, then. Just some recommendations uh, for people going ahead. I'm going with Netflix and the 2015 film Everest has just gone on there. Um, the film about the uh, true events of uh, 1996 uh, attempts to scale the biggest mountain on the planet. Uh, Paul? Steve, Owen, mm -hmm. do you like true crime? Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Do you like drawing massive cocks? On everything, all the time. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. What if Netflix melded the two together and produced a new true crime series about a guy who's accused of drawing massive cocks? Yeah. Because American okay. Vandal on Netflix is utterly, utterly wonderful. It's a spoof documentary uh, played completely straight about a guy who's accused of, of, of uh, spray-painting 27 cars with massive cocks. Right. That's a set-up. It seems like that Spike Milligan sketch just it's extended. Not, it's it's exactly, it, it plays out just like all the other true crime things you've watched, but it's about a guy drawing cocks. <laughs> it's, it's very, very clever and very, very funny. Okay, and Owen? Um well, I haven't really got much to recommend in terms of films. I mean, don't watch BoJack Horseman season four. Don't bother. First three seasons, phenomenal TV. Fourth season's just so disappointed with it. But um, what I am going to recommend instead is this new website that has launched, which I don't know whether you guys have heard of. It's called setthetape.com. And it is me and Tony Black, uh, who's been on the podcast tons of times, uh, we have been putting this site together for about three months. And today, Monday the 18th of September, it went live. And we had uh, almost 50 articles published. We had over 50, in fact, by the end of the day. Over 50 articles that have been published. Um, we've got news uh, about films, TV, games. We've got features, reviews, interviews. 
of albums, of um, film scores, as well as TV episodes, TV shows, computer games, um, and film, of course. Film is uh, kind of the bread and butter for, for me and Tony, as it has been over the last sort of few years. Um, there's no podcast with it. There's no uh, any kind of video content yet either. It is all written stuff. We've got some really, really talented people writing for us. Not least of all, Steve, you've already had an article go up today. I have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a retrospective on Superbad, which is 10 years old. Um, yeah. It was ten... as, of, as of now-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've got all that. We've got, um, like, I, the most popular um, article at the moment, if I can toose my own horn for a moment, is... Uh, five podcasts you should be listening to right now list that I compiled as well. Uh, you didn't, can... didn't, didn't put this one on there, did you? No. Well, no, sure, yeah. but yeah, have a look at setthetape.com. Uh, have a look at some of our reviews, uh, including a five-star review of Mother, Paul, which I know you were chuffed with. But yeah, no, I, it's um, it's a work in progress still, but I'm very I'm very proud of it. I think it's one of the best things that I've worked on. Tony has just been a, just fantastic to work with, so... Please, please do check it out. Like the page, subscribe to it, uh, read the stuff, share it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Setthetapes.com. I'm, I'm only in this for the Set the Tape Christmas party. Oh, yeah, we um, have a booze up at the Weatherspoons. Yeah. Down the spoons. Down, down spoons, not yeah. talking to anyone, just ordering food on an app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's all for this week's podcast. What, what are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? We are doing another podcast next week. About film. Isn't it Kingsman next week? I think you're yeah. onto it, yes. You're ahead yeah. of me now. Yeah. Yeah, Kingsman next week. Uh, God, I still don't know what to expect from that. Still don't know what, I'm gonna, what we're going to get. Well, this time next week, we'll have answers for you. Indeed. Mm. Uh, so thank you all for listening, and join us all again next week. In the meantime, go and check out Set the Tape. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with contributions from different guests every week, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com from the track The Bandit, remixed by James Yule, who you can find at jamesyule.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Failed Critics, on iTunes and all good podcast apps, or you can check us out at failedcritics.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. And why not check out our sister podcasts, Character Unlocked, and Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights from the failed media network of podcasts. Thanks for listening. What the bloody hell were you two on about at the start of that bit? What do you mean? Chinny something or... <laughs> chinny reckon? Yeah. Chinny? Ooh, chinny reckon. Chin chin, rub my chin. Ooh, chinny reckon. Yeah, you scratch your chin. Yeah. Ooh, Jimmy Hill. You got no, no idea what we're talking no, about, have you? No. <laughs> if someone went back in when back when I was a kid, if someone was lying, yeah. right, you'd rub your chin <laughs> and go, "Oh yeah, Jimmy Hill, chinny reckon." Uh-huh. Right. I know. I'm not. I'm the same age as you, Steve, and I know chinny reckon. Yeah, but I'm from a. <laughs> I'm from a different part of the country, so. Yeah. You're from closer to Paul's part of the country than I am, but well, just lived a sheltered uh, life. No one with big chins uh, in your part of the country. 
No, for the inbreds no. just don't, mm. don't have chins. Yeah. Mm. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.